Let's get going. You know, this is week four, and we're continuing talking about pressing in. Uh, and tonight, we're going to talk about how to cultivate uh perseverance you know last week we talked about don't let your eyes fool you right you, we talked about how how uh how many times our circumstances can cause us to lose faith our circumstances the things that we observe the things that we hear can throw us off when we talked about the story uh, of jairus you know when jairus had came and he found Jesus, and Jesus was coming back to him. Uh, and on the way to Jairus' daughter, uh, the woman with the issue of blood encountered Jesus and pulled power from him. And so while he's Jesus talking to the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus' servants come and tell him, Matt, don't bother the master any longer. Your daughter is dead. And Jesus told him this, don't be afraid, just believe. And we talked about that the fact that that word just don't be afraid, really what Jesus was telling us is to don't be put to flight by terrifying or seizing or alarming information. So he said, Jairus, I know what you just heard them say, but I need you don't be afraid. Don't abandon your faith based off of fear. Don't abandon your faith based off alarming information. He said, just believe. What does that mean? Have faith in my word that is already settled. Make a commitment, put confidence in, remain consistent or remain patient and let patience and faith have a perfect word, right? So that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing, right? So we talked about that, that we will not uh, lay down our faith. We will always believe. And then we talked about some things that poison our perseverance. We talked about how plaguing problems, if it isn't one thing, it's another, right? That poisons our perseverance. We talked about plummeting provisions and how that poisons our perseverance, right? When you're looking at something, you're like, man, I don't have enough, or man, the economy, or man, this. I was reading an article the other day about the economy and how uh, within the last couple of months, how uh, inflation has increased at such a rapid pace, almost three or four times the amount that people's raises have been. And so people who are getting raises, even large raises in the form of 10 to 15%, their raises are only enough to offset the new cost of things due to inflation. If you didn't get a raise, you're technically with, just factually speaking, based off your uh, income from a job behind because inflation has outpaced your increase in your money. But we're not concerned about plummeting provisions because we understand that though we live in this world, we're not of this world and our resource, our job is just a resource, but God is our source. We talked about how painful persecution well-meaning friends, haters, doubters, self-doubt, all those things poison our perseverance. Number four, we talked about personal per perversions and how personal perversions can, can uh, hinder your ability to persevere. What are those personal perversions? Those things that you know that you're committed to that God doesn't agree with. It could be anything. It could be a failure to exercise. It could be watching too much TV. It could be a lack of your ability to read the word. It could be any of that. And here's the thing, it, the, uh, the issues you wrestle with that hinder your confidence always are going to uh, poison your perseverance because you don't know where your confidence lies. You have shame in her. You have doubt in her. You have condemnation in her. Anytime you're living contrary to the will of God, then those feelings, those emotions, and the enemy will always bring things into your life to cause you to feel like you're not worthy of what God has, therefore poisoning your perseverance. And then the last thing that we talked about last week was passive people, how you got to tame your team. And so that was a recap of last week and the things that we talked about. Now we're going to spend our time tonight discussing how to cultivate perseverance, all right? How do I cultivate first perseverance? So the first thing you got to understand if you want to cultivate perseverance is that you must have a resolve. You must have a resolve. What's a resolve? A deliberate effort to do what God wants, to have a fortitude in difficult times. So when I say 
uh, in order to persevere, you got to have a resolve. I got to have deliberate effort. That word deliberate means intentional. That mean that word deliberate means on purpose. Uh, that word deliberate means that you make it your priority. So in order to have perseverance, I must have a resolve. I have to make God's will bigger than my own. I have to desire what God desires above all things. That's what it means when I say I have a resolve. I desire what God desires above all things. So it doesn't matter if I don't feel like fasting. I desire what God desires above all things. It doesn't matter if I think that they're attractive. I desire what God desires above all things. It doesn't matter if I think that's a better job opportunity. I desire what God desires above all things. And if I don't desire what God desires above all things, I don't have a resolve. And without the resolve, I can't persevere because I'm going to cave in. I'm going to quit because now I'm going to be operating outside the will of the Father. Therefore, I can't depend on the Holy Spirit to give me the energy, the dudamus, the power that I need to sustain in faith the thing that God has called me to do. Actually, I'm not in faith because faith starts where the will of God is known and you pursuing a man, you pursuing a woman, you pursuing a job, you pursuing a city, you pursuing a house, you pursuing a car that's not based off the word of God. You're not in faith anyway. And so that's why you can't persevere because you're outside the will of the father. So I desire what God desires above all things. That's number one. So what do I got to have a resolve over? You got to have a resolve over convenient effort. You know, in the body of Christ, I'm not sure for what reason, sometimes we feel like that being a believer is going to be easy. We feel like that once I come and sit in that chair, I grew up Baptist. So once I went to the front and I made it in one of them chairs, one out the two, you got to race up there because you only got two chairs they putting out, you know, so first come, first serve to access heaven. All right. So uh, I made it to the chair that day. And when I made it to the chair and I said the, uh, the, uh, uh, that I wanted Jesus, the prayer of salvation. Right. Somehow, somewhere we feel like that the prayer of salvation saves us from being saved in our soul. It doesn't. The prayer of salvation saves, causes us to have eternal residence with God. It causes us to have eternal, it frees us from sin, right? But what has to happen, our soul, man, our mind, our will, our imaginations, our emotions, our intellect, all right, they're continually being saved. That's why God tells us to renew our mind, right? Because that those things are continually being saved. What convenient effort does is says, you know what? I don't feel like reading my word today, so I'm just not going to do it. I, I don't. I don't feel like pressing in, right? It's not convenient. It's not convenient to fast. It's not convenient to 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 not uh, do the thing that you want to do when God told you not to do it. It's not convenient to, to stay in the dorm room when everybody else is partying. It's not convenient to press into your word and believe something when all your friends are believing something else. So to have a resolve means that I desire what God desires above convenient effort. It doesn't matter if it discomforts me. It doesn't matter if it puts me out. It doesn't matter if it requires my time. It doesn't matter if it requires my money. It doesn't matter if it requires my intellect. Why? Because I will not allow convenient effort to cause me not to be able to persevere. All right. So that's number one. The second thing that you got to have a resolve over is compromising excuses. I won't make excuses when it comes to obeying God. You might as well type that. Say, I will not make excuses when it comes to obeying God. I got to have a desire so much to do what God says to do that I don't make compromising excuses. You can make good excuses. I'm a dad. I got three kids. I'm a husband. Um, 
to April, right? And, and that's my boo. And I can make excuses that look good. I, I'm a I'm a director of a uh, of my job. I got 200 employees that work for me. It's so many things that I can begin to make an excuse on why I can't do what God called me to do. I need to go spend some time with my kids. That doesn't trump time with God. I need to go do this on my job. That doesn't trump obeying God. I need to go do husband duties. That doesn't trump obeying God. Compromising excuses do not cause you to have be able to persevere. It kills your resolve. I desire what God desires above compromising excuses. All right. Number three, I have to have a resolve over camaraderie exhortation. I don't need anybody else. Go ahead and type this. Go ahead and type. You only got to think about it. Just type it. I don't need any pats on the back to obey God. I don't need anybody patting me on the back to obey God. I don't need I don't need Pastor Evan to say, good job, Ralph. I see you over there praying. I don't need Pastor Chris to say, yeah, I see you getting all skinny for fasting. I don't need any pats on the back to obey God. I don't need anyone else's agreement to obey God. I think Pastor Sean uh, was saying on one, I think it was her TikTok or Instagram, one of them. She talked about how so many times we'll do things in our own agreement, on, on our own accord, right? We'll make a decision. We'll cut off everything else to do the thing that we want. But then when it comes to obeying God, we want 25 people to agree with us before we move on the thing that God wants us to do. When you understand that I desire what God desires above all things, resolve says, I do not allow camaraderie exhortation to cause me to disobey God. Why? Because I don't need anybody else to agree with me to obey God. I don't need April to agree with me. I don't need Pastor Shun. I don't need Coach Said. I don't need Pastor Chris. I don't need uh, Elder Valley. I obey God because I made a resolve to do it. Above convenient effort, above compromising excuses, above camaraderie exhortation. I don't need anybody else on my boat to navigate the ship God has called me to captain. You got to tell yourself that. I don't need anybody else on the boat to navigate, on, on my boat to navigate the ship that God has called me to captain. Whether I'm here or not, Pastor Evan's still going to pass the FOC. Whether Pastor Chris is here or not, he's still going to pass the FOC. Why? Because he is the captain of the ship that God has called him to, to which is FOC. You don't need everybody on your team to obey God. You don't need your pastor on your team to obey God. You don't need your husband on your team to obey God. Woman, go obey God. You don't need your husband. You don't need a man to be complete to go obey God. You can own your own house. You can own your own car. You can be a CEO of the business. You can do all of that right now obeying God without a husband. Husbands aren't required to obey God. And so we got to have a resolve to say, I desire what God desires above camaraderie exhortation. So I push myself as the Holy Spirit gives me power. I got to understand, I don't need somebody else saying, yeah, Ralph, yeah, I mean, I see you out there believing for that house. I'll see you out. You don't need all of that. You got to obey God. You got to encourage yourself and the Lord. I love what Philippians 2 and 13 says, right? It says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So I push myself as the Holy Spirit gives me power. Philippians 2 and 13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So as I obey God, as I make a resolve to do what he wants me to do, as I make an intent to persevere, I can rely on Holy Spirit to both give me the desire to do what God has said and then the power to do what God has said. So I don't need anybody else in and of myself within my tripartite being resides everything I need to obey God with a good attitude, with all the energy and to see it come to pass all the way to the end. Go ahead and type this. Say, I don't need a hype man. I don't need a hype man. 
I encourage myself in the Lord. If you run over the first Samuel 30 and 6, you'll find where David and his men had just returned from Ziglag. And the Bible says in David, in, in verse 6, and David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God, but, but and they wanted David dead, right? So David had to encourage himself in the Lord. When you have a resolve to do what God wants done above everything else, you don't need anybody else. You're your own hype man, you and the Holy Spirit. Y'all are the only people y'all need to be hyped. Why? Because David said, look, they talking about killing me. They, my, wife, my wives are gone. My kids are gone. Everybody else's wife is gone. They talking about killing me, right? And and why did they talk about killing him? I'm not, let me get to my banners real quick so I put that scripture back up. Uh, they was talking about killing him because their soul, right? Their soul of all the, it says, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his son and for his daughters. And so David said, I encouraged myself in the Lord of God. Now I want to take a time out because as I was studying this, that part stood out to me. And this is what I felt Holy Spirit was telling us. Sometimes you want to kill, ignore, and dis disobey the very thing designed to bring you out. At that, at that time, the, the men that were with David, the Bible says that they their soul was greed. What's their soul? Their mind, their will, their emotions, their imaginations. In other words, they were all in their feelings. And they, they were using their words to think about stoning them. And so the Lord was saying, you better watch your words and your actions because the death of your leader brings captivity to you. So many times, Pastor Edwin, Pastor Sean asks you to do something. And with your words, you ignore. With your words, you disobey. With your words, you kill the very thing designed to bring you out into prosperity. Had they killed David, they probably would have never got their wives back. They would have never experienced the hugging their sons and their daughters. Those things would have all been taken away. In a moment, you may not feel like obeying your leader, but your leader is designed to navigate you to liberty. Your leader is designed to navigate you to freedom. You can't allow your soul to bring you out of alignment. Don't allow your soul to bring you out of alignment with your man and woman of God. We know in 2 Chronicles 20 and 20, believe in the prophet, I mean, prophet, you'll prosper, right? Believe in the prophet, you'll be established. Man, I just went blank. Let me pull it up. Um, so I tell you, I can read it to you right. Say Chronicles 20 and 20. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall you so shall you prosper. So you got to understand, anytime you let your feelings interrupt the word that has gone forth from Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean, right? You said you was called here. Anytime you begin to kill their words, anytime you begin to ignore those things, ignore those things, your, your soul causes you to come out of alignment. There, so their their ability to cause to help see blind spots in your life, you put up a you, you shut your mirror down, right? In my in my SUV, I can hit a button and my side mirrors fold in. That's what so many believers are doing when it comes to listening to their man and woman of God. You're folding your mirrors in. You're letting your emotions, your soul interfere with their ability to obey the things that they're telling you. And those things that they're telling you are designed to give you freedom. But I love the fact that between the verse six and nine, they came into their right mind. They came and they, they agreed, they aligned, and then they accelerated into the thing that God wanted them to experience. Why? They got their wives back. They got their children back. They didn't lose anything because between verse six and nine, they came into their right mind. So I challenge you tonight, sidebar from the message, for you to come into your right mind. If you say FOC is your house, then you need to be obeying, and I did say that, the words of the house. You need to submit yourself to the words of the house. Why? Because when you don't, you you lend your, I mean, you position yourself 
to be out there on your own. Why? Because the words designed from Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean are designed to prosper you. So the great word that she gave us on Sunday and everybody got hyped should be just as good as the word when she said correction, just as good as the word when she reprimands, just as good as the word that prunes you. You got to embrace it all because it all causes you to prosper. All right. So that's your side note. I don't need a hype man and that you got to bring your soul into alignment with your man and woman of God. I don't let my emotions interfere with my obedience. I don't let my emotions interfere with my obedience. So when I have a resolve, I got to have a resolve over circumstantial or contradictory evidence. So when I say God, right, when I'm talking about cultivating perseverance, I must have a resolve. A resolve over what? Circumstantial or contradictory evidence. You got to stick with your confession, even when earthly circumstances may not always align with what you're confessing. You got to stick to it. You may not in the natural right now be debt free, but you still got to declare what God has said. You may not now in the natural be healed in your body, but you still got to declare what God has said. You may not right now have two years of abundance stored up, but you still got to confess what God has said. You got to stick to your confession, because that causes you to stay in alignment with what God has said. That causes you to maintain your resolve and to cultivate perseverance. Habakkuk 2 and 2 says it this way, for the vision is yet for an appointed time or future, right? The vision is yet for an appointed time. Let me put it up for you. There you go. Habakkuk There it is. For the vision is yet for the appointed future time. It harries towards the goal of fulfillment. It will not fail. So I don't stop confessing. Your confession is a great litmus test. It's a great indicator of what you're believing. I love what Pastor Evan said on Sunday when he says, when you're in faith, the manifestation of your faith should almost be like, uh, I forgot the word he used, but it's like, okay, God, thank you. But it's not that you're not grateful, it's that you have experienced it already by faith, that the actual manifestation of it is just simply a confirmation of what you've already believed. I have lived in the house so long. I have lived in health healthy body and healness so long. I have lived in a good marriage so long that the manifestation of the marriage, the manifestation of the house, the manifestation of the debt freedom, it's, it's, it's just like, oh, it's here. It's not that you don't appreciate it, but because you lived in it so long by faith, the actual manifestation of it is just simply a confirmation or an echo of what you've already believed. It's not new to you. And if you so excited, usually excitement is called because of surprises. When something manifests to a person by faith, it's not a surprise. It's a result. It's what you already expected. So what we got to understand is for the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hurries towards the goal of fulfillment. It will not fail. The Lord says it will not fail. What won't fail? Whatever God has told you. The abundance won't fail. The healing won't fail. The manifestation won't fail. The job won't fail. It won't fail unless you let time wear you out. If you didn't listen to the message, go back to Sunday. I think that was Sunday. That was Sunday morning doing a 930 live. Don't let time wear you out. Don't let time extinguish your faith. Why? Because that's what the enemy's trying to get you to do. If he can get you to think, oh, this took two years to get this house, you like, and you give up, then he wins. He has all eternity to get you to try to believe that it's going to take forever. But if God has already told you that and you set a resolve, you stick with your confession regardless of earthly circumstances. Doesn't matter what the bank says. Doesn't matter what my body says. Doesn't matter how my wife or, or, or your spouse acts. Doesn't matter what your kid is doing. It doesn't matter what the family member you believe in to come into the body of Christ is doing. None of that matters. You got to stick with your confession. So you got to have resolve over convenient effort. You got to have resolve over compromising excuses. You got to have resolve over camaraderie exhortation. You got to have resolve over circumstantial or contradictory evidence. The question is, who are you waiting on? 
Because when your weight for manifestation switches from God to man, you grow weary. How do I know that? Go to Isaiah 40 and 31. The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord do what? Renew their strength. So if you tired, who you waiting on? If you exhausted, who you waiting on? If you're growing weary and well-doing, who you waiting on? Because those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagle. They will run and not grow what? Weary. They resolve won't quit. They resolve won't be extinguished by circumstantial evidence. Their resolve won't be extinguished because nobody's in the boat with them. You understand that when Joshua and Caleb when they got, they got to enter the promised land, not because their confession did not change. They said, this is our land that God has given us. Surely we can take it. This is our land. Out of millions of people who were saying something different, Joshua and Caleb stuck to their confession. Because when you stick to what God has said, it will not, it will not fail. It will come to pass. So just like Joshua and Caleb entered the promised land because they refused to abandon their confession, you have to refuse to abandon your confession. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care who in your family saying it won't work. I don't care if nobody else has been married happily in your family. It can be you. I don't care if nobody in your family has ever received uh, experienced that freedom. It could be you. I don't care if nobody in your family has ever went to college. You could be the one that changed that. Don't let go of what God has told you belongs to you. Galatians 6 and 9, this is what Kate, Joshua and Caleb knew. They said, we won't grow weary in well-doing for in due time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I don't need anybody patting me on the back. I don't need anybody agreeing with me. The only thing I know is this. God said it, that has settled it. And I don't care what the earth shows me. The word of God prevails over all those things. So their confession caused them to receive while millions only observe. You understand that? Joshua and Caleb confession caused them to receive while millions of children of Israel only got to observe. God is looking for a people who are willing to, to have resolve and to persevere when millions of people in America saying, this is not the time to be sowing. Millions of people in America are talking about, hey, I ain't giving no tithe. Million people in America are talking about how God's grace is going to uh, cover everything that they do and they just got a right to sin. He is looking for some people that's going to confess and do the thing that he has called him to do and not give up their resolve because of convenience F convenience. Not to give up their resolve because they don't got nobody patting them on the back. Not to give up their resolve because uh, of excuses. He's looking for somebody who's saying, you know what? I'm going to confess no matter what. No matter what I see, God's word is true. No matter what other people say, God's word is true. No matter what my bank account looks like, God's word is true. No matter the pain I may feel in my body, God's word is true. No matter what the economy looks like, God's word is true. God's word changes facts every day of the week. God's words changes facts every day of the week. The fact was at one point you were a sinner. But the truth says when you receive God as your as your Lord and personal Savior, you're brought into the body of Christ and now you're the righteousness of God. What happened? His word changed the fact. What was the fact? That you were a sinner. The truth is when you accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, you become the righteousness of God. You use the word of God to change a fact. Same way with that, the same way it works with salvation, the same way it works with your body. The word of God changes facts every day of the week. All right, let's keep going. So what we got to understand is this. When you make a decision to stick with God, others will observe the echoes of your faith, the evidence of your believing and the manifestation of his promise. Uh, Pastor Edwin had heard God several years ago about the scholarship. You know there are people saying, how your little church going to give $10,000 scholarships? They're, they're hearing the, they're seeing the echoes of his faith today as we did one hundred twenty eight thousand dollars in 30 days. See, you don't need everybody on the boat with you. 
God called you to captain that. God called Pastor Evan to captain that ship. He says, I'm gonna believe God even though I don't have my my even though my comrades, myself, my fellow pastors with bigger church talking about how you gonna do that strict, how your little church gonna do that, right? Because the people love throwing in little, right? How that gonna come to pass? Y'all don't even have y'all don't even have physical church. Y'all meet very virtually. How your church gonna maintain that during the uh the uh pandemic? Right? He didn't let go of his faith. Now people now people see the echoes of what he believed. They see the evidence of his believing. They see the manifestation of God's promise. What are you what are you not willing to let go of? Right? What are you willing to not what are you willing to grasp so strongly and say God has said it and that absolutely settles it? I'm persevering. I'm pressing in. That's right, Courtney. Mind your little business over there. God's got FOC. Because all he's looking for, and I'm I'm preaching to myself, all he's looking for is is Ralph to just take him at his word, to just take God serious. That's all he's looking for. He's just, he just looking for said to take him seriously. He's just looking for Brenda and Nietzsche to take him seriously, to look at circumstances, to look at, at, at situations, to look at factual evidence in this earth and to, to not let go of the confession, confession of the word that I'm dead free. To not let go of the confession of the word that I'm holding my mind. To not let go of the confession that we're going to give scholarships to both to full scholarships to the seniors who graduate from uh, FOC. That we're going to continue to give the James A. Young scholarship. That we're going to give scholarships to people with felonies who can't go, who can't get financial aid. That we're going to give scholarships to uh, people designed to go back to school and single mother mothers. That we're going to do all of that. And guess what? The money is already there because before he ever invited Pastor Edwin on the journey of scholarship, every provision was already there. All he's needing us to do is not cave in. All he's needing us to do is not quit. All he's needing us to do is just press in and take him seriously. So as we wrap up tonight, we got about 19 minutes left. Let's go over how do I develop a regiment of perseverance? How do I develop a regiment of perseverance, right? So number one, you must be established and settled in the word of God. It's always going to start there. It's always, I mean, there's nothing else that could be number one. You got to be established and settled in the word of God. You got to believe that his word is the final authority. But the doctor said that that I had 20, 20, I mean, 20 months to live. His word is the final authority. But the bank said no. His word is the final authority. But my husband, my wife, they still acting crazy. His word is the final authority. And once you have a word from God, then you got to confer no longer with flesh and blood, your own flesh, your own soul. So I got to spend enough time in the word of God that I bring my soul into alignment with what God has said. That's why we got to meditate. That's why we can't despise repetitive teaching. That's why we got to go back and listen to the word over and over and over. That's why we got to sometimes turn the TV off and, and listen to the word. That's why when I'm riding down, the, riding down the road, I just let messages play so that my subconscious is absorbing things. That's why I got to keep doing those things, renewing my mind over and over and over. Why? Because I got to make it where my soul is in 100% alignment with my spirit. Your spirit, man, always agrees with God. It's 100% like God. It's your soul, man, that causes you to believe things based off earthly things that it observes, right? So number one, how do I develop a regiment of perseverance? I must establish and settle that God's word is the final authority. Number two, we you got to be excited about his sovereign will for your life, even if nobody else is excited. Listen, depending on how you're wired, I really thrive. I love team sports, right? I really love that. Uh, uh, and so for me, I grew up a lot of teams. And so individual things I had to work at, uh, 
really motivating myself to do anything that was not in a team atmosphere. I'm just, if, if me and the guys were all out doing something, it was, I mean, we go work out every day that, 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 that's there, right? That uh, accountability. You got to get to the point where you hold yourself accountable to doing what God has said, even if nobody else will know. I give up those personal perversions, even if my, my homeboys won't ever find out why. Because pleasing God is above my own will of self-satisfaction. Pleasing God is much better than watching the thing I shouldn't watch. Pleasing God is so much better than going to see the person I shouldn't see. Pleasing God is so much better than eating the food on a day that God has called me to fast. Pleasing God because I take him seriously. Pleasing God is worth not taking a job, even though it seems like it's going to be a better situation. Why? Because when you take God serious, you get excited about his sovereign will for your life, even if no one is excited, including your own flesh, your own soul. Your spirit man is always applauding the will of God. Your spirit man is always agreeing with the will of God. Your spirit man is always uh, like ride or die with the spirit of, well, ride and live with the spirit, I mean, with the word of God. It's your soul man that kills the excitement to obey because it doesn't want to be tamed. That's why he says we got to daily crucify our flesh. Your flesh doesn't want to surrender. Your flesh doesn't want to be lorded over. Your flesh doesn't want to be humble. Your flesh wants what it wants. And so you got to bring your flesh into alignment with the word of God. All right. So number three. All right, Courtney, I see you denying the cupcakes, girl. Go for it. All right, number three, you got to limit satanic worries. Choose not to believe the evil report. Once again, I don't care what evidence, I don't care what information I get. I will still, I will choose not to believe the evil report. But, 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 but Ralph, I mean, everybody in my family has, has, has had this illness. Everybody in my family has had heart disease and died of it. I choose not to believe the evil report. The enemy always wants you to, uh, to get you to agree with what you have observed with your eyes. He can't physically harm. He can't come in and, and, and cause you harm unless you agree for him to come in. You got to give him a door. So if he can get you to align with what seems ordinary, right? What seems common. You're uncommon. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. You're uncommon, right? You're uncommon. You're unique. You're, you're uncommon. So the enemy's tactic is if he can get you to observe with your soul, man, right? Your, your sense realm knowledge. Everybody in my family was X, so I got to be X. Uh, most black people are, are filling the blank, so I got to be filling the blank. Women are all never, they're not almost never the highest paid people on, on, on the job, but they're not the ones in charge. So you are accepting things based off the reality of the earth instead of the reality of the kingdom. And so you got to understand that when you eliminate satanic worries, part of believing the evil report, what's evil? Anything that doesn't line up with the word of God. It's evil to believe that I have to be sick. It's evil to believe that I have to be poor. It's evil to believe to think that I have to be in a marriage and not be happy and, and enjoy it, right? It's evil to believe that my kids have to be disobedient. It's evil to believe that, that I have to uh, experience poverty or, or just because my mama and her mama and all of them had depression that I have to do it. All of those are evil things to believe because they don't line up with the word of God. So you got to eliminate satanic worries as part of your regiment for perseverance. Number four, you got to embrace confessing the word. You got to embrace confessing the word. It, you got to embrace confessing the word. You got to read the prophecy, right? Even as it was scrolling. I mean, you got to embrace confessing the word. Read that thing 
over and over and over until it becomes a part of you. A lot, I'm not Greek, but a lot of you are Greek. And if I ask you anything about your Greek organization right now, most likely you could still recite the pledge or whatever else they have you do. Why? Because it's part of you. And see, for some of us, the word of God is in our memory, but it's not part of who we are because we don't resemble it, right? People don't say Aiden, Aiden is my child, simply because we walk together. They say Aiden is my child because he looks like his daddy. My question to you, do you look like your daddy? Do you do you resemble the thing, the, the person that you call your father, right? People, if, 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 I'm out, if I'm out with a white child, I'm a black man, if I'm out with, I adopt a white child and I'm out with a white child, well, in today's society, they may call the police on me, but beside the point, if I'm out with the white child, they're not seeing that kid, that I'm, that kid is my uh, child, right? Because he doesn't look like me. And so for so many of us, we're claiming God as daddy and people in the world are like, no, he ain't, he ain't your daddy. You don't look nothing like him. So we out here saying, yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm all this. And the people that's not like God saying, you look just like me. We got the same parent. We both serve the enemy. Right? So when you embrace and you confess the word, the God and word is on the FOC page, right? FOCchurch.com. Visit it. So regimen of perseverance. I got to be established and settled in the word. I got to be excited about his sovereign will for my life. I got to eliminate satanic worries. Number four, I got to embrace confessing the word. And then number five, I got to engage in spiritual work. I got to understand that just seeking after the benefits of God and not doing the work of the kingdom is not how he established things. Matthew 6 and 33 says this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I love the word reciprocity. Uh, reciprocity is in every area of my life. I was talking to uh, my staff this week uh, as I was casting the vision for uh, our organization and what we'll be doing this year. And and we was talking about our why. Why am I, like, what, I am an educator. That's what I am, but why? Part of my reason I'm an educator is because reciprocity. I had somebody when I was young in Prescott and, and had a very limited mindset and view of the world who saw something in me and poured into me and caused me to be a much better person, right? So part of my big why on being an educator is that I want to now re uh, exhibit reciprocity by pointing into other students, pointing to other people so that they can, even when they can't see their greatness. See, that's the good thing about a pastor, right? That's the good thing about a leader. That's a good thing about prophets and evangelists. I mean, that's the good thing about the fivefold ministry. They're helping us see the blind, blind spots in our life. And so the question is, when we engage in spiritual work, what God is saying is, look, as you seek to do things in my kingdom, because I'm a God of reciprocity, I'm not going to let you come now serve me and I now not take care of you. And so, so many times we got to make sure that even as you're believing as God told you about the, uh, whatever he told you to believe for, if it's the mindset, if it's money, if it's a house, it's believing somebody's life, you got to still engage in spirit, strategic spiritual work. And that's building the kingdom of God, because as you do that, reciprocity says this, God is always going to take care of the one who's taking care of his kingdom. That's why he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He says, and his righteousness, right? Pastor Edwin Passion, I think on lesson seven this Sunday, I think it'll be, on uh, living a life of righteousness. He said, I add all these things to you. You got to engage in spiritual work daily. I love what Proverbs 11, 24, 25 says. It says, some give freely and yet grow all the richer. Others withhold what is due and only suffer won't. See, as I begin to understand spiritual work, then I'm not withholding my time. I'm not withholding my money. I'm not withholding my intelligences. I'm not withholding my skills, my abilities, and my talents. Whatever the Lord wants from me, I give it freely. Yet I will grow richer. 
And it's those who withhold what is due, what God is asking for, that end up suffering won't. So you can be out there. That's why I don't care what people talk about. Call it tithe, call it tent, call it tipping, call it whatever. I'm going to give God 10% of everything at minimum that comes into my house. Because it's tried and true for my life. If God wants me to go minister to somebody, then I'm going to find myself ministering to them. Why? Because I don't control my own. I have been brought with a price. Y'all should just say that. I don't I, I don't own myself. I don't own myself. I've been brought with a price. So some give freely, yet grow all the richer. Others withhold what is due and only suffer want. A generous person, go ahead. A generous person will be what? Be made poor. A generous person will be found without. A generous person will be in lack. No, a generous person will be enriched and one who gives water will get water. Why? God is all about reciprocity. So as you are establishing your regimen of perseverance, you've established yourself in the word. You're excited about the will, his sovereign will for your life. You're eliminating satanic worries. You're confessing the word. You got to make sure that you're doing what God is asking you to do on a daily basis. Send them them flowers that God has been calling you to send them. I know you don't like her, but I, you don't got to like them to obey God. Buy them the lunch that God has called you to buy them. But they, they didn't give me the promotion. It doesn't matter. You're doing it unto God, not to the person. So many times we miss out on blessings. We miss out on being enriched. We miss out on getting more water because we don't look at, we don't make his will sovereign and we look at the person. Right? You look at the person. I remember being in college. And God telling me to uh, sow five, ten dollars in Pastor Edwin's life. And I'm like, what's five, ten dollars him? Like, like you minimize things based off that, but I obey God. And because I obey God, I can sow a bigger seed now. Why? Because a generous person will be enriched, and one who gives water will get water. God is a God of reciprocity. So as you sow into his kingdom, he's going to continually be sowing into you. And that increases your ability to be, be per, to persevere. Number six, you got to enjoy spiritual work, worship. You got to understand that worship is a catalyst that helps move, that moves God. Why does it move God? Because worship, the definition of worship is this, the art of losing self in adoration to another. The art of losing self. So how does how does worship move God? Because when I begin to worship God, I lose my own self in adoration of him. So he becomes Lord of my life. He becomes the thing that I see. That's why a lot of y'all can praise God. You can shout, you can be all happy, but you can't worship because your heart, you're not willing to subdue yourself, to submit yourself, and to lose who you are in adoration to who he is. That's why worship is a catalyst for God, because God is going to always come and, and dwell in the place of those who worship him, because worship is obedience. Why? Because I lose myself in adoration to him. So as I obey God, it is the high form of worship. As I do what God is asking me to do, I am worshiping God in my giving. I am worshiping God in my prayer. I am worshiping God in my fasting. I am worshiping God as I submit to my man and woman of God. That's worship because he's called me to FOC, right? Because he's called me to FOC, he's called me to Edwin and Sean. Because he's called me to Edwin and Sean, they're my spoken voice in the earth. So when they say fast from Monday at 8 to after prayer on Tuesday, I fast. That is worship. I am making the will of God bigger than my own will. We had cookies on the counter. I wanted the cookie, but I didn't get the cookie to after prayer. Why? Because I am worshiping my father. Well, you just, you just, you just sitting up on the path ever doing whatever you want. You call it what you want. I am worshiping my father because when you understand spiritual leadership, when you understand spiritual governance, I am serving Pastor Edwin, but I am worshiping God. You say what you want, but I, I can tell you what I can tell you right now. My life is better because of it. 
And a lot of you don't realize God's abundance because you are refusing to submit to anybody. Well, I can't trust them. Find somewhere else to go to church then. Ask God where your house at. Because if you can't trust the person that delivers the word on Sunday, then you probably do need to find somewhere else to go. Ask the Lord to send you somewhere. But we've all been called to a body of Christ. That's right, uh, Nietzsche. There is no worship outside of obedience. There is no worship outside of obedience. All right, let's keep rolling. We're at 59 minutes. Worship can only be given to one thing at a time. You can't worship God and, and, and some something else. You can't. You cannot serve God and some. You can't serve two masters. You're going to worship. The Bible says you're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to worship one or the other. So I can't be worshiping my flesh and doing what my flesh wants and then serving God at the same time. It, it, it doesn't work that way. All right. It doesn't work that way. All right. Number seven, expect supernatural wonders. All right. Expect supernatural wonders. So as you are establishing your regimen of faith, right? You've established and settled yourself in the word. You're excited about his sovereign will for your life. You've eliminated satanic worries. You are confessing the word. You're you're all about spiritual work because you understand the law of reciprocity. You're enjoying spiritual worship because you know worship is a catalyst that moves God. So now the last one, you're expecting supernatural wonders. Why do I expect supernatural wonders, right? Because anytime you're in faith, let, I'm going to have a teacher moment. What are the five things you can expect when you're in faith? What are the five? If you've been going to FOC, you should know. What are, y'all can, uh, I got my comments on, let me make sure I'm in the wrong comments. What are the five things you can expect when you're in faith? Oh, man, they done post them for, for you. They, they, you. You got some cliff notes. I can expect a plan of action, right? I can expect wisdom. I can expect favor. I can expect strength to endure to change comes. And number five, you can't forget about number five. You can expect a miracle. You can expect a miracle. So as you, as, when your regiment of faith, you got to expect God to do the supernatural on your behalf. You got to understand that he will cause a man to build a house to the exact specifications that you desire for them to be built. He will cause a man, you will be walking through the house. The builder will be in the house. The builder will say, I don't know why I'm about to tell you what I'm going to tell you, but the Lord told me to give you this house. You could be going in a place and somebody just say, I don't know what, you could just be that man leaving Florida or wherever he was coming from. And God told him to drive across as he was trying to find his, go get to his family. And he stops in Russellville and God speaks to Pastor Edwin and said, I need you today to go to this gas station. And God and Pastor Edwin was used by God to perform a miracle in this man's life. The thing is, you can't receive miracles because you ain't been sowing them. Your obedience gives you the ability to cause miracles to happen on behalf of another man. So now Pastor Edwin has sown the miracles on other people's behalf. Now he can expect miracles to happen on his behalf. That's why you can't out give God the law of reciprocity. He is saying, I'm just looking for a man that's willing to obey me to stop in Russellville. I'm just looking for a man to make a Facebook post. I'm just looking for a man that'll buy some groceries. I'm just looking for a man that's willing to forgive. Because you don't understand that your willingness to forgive somebody could release something in their life that caused them to experience a liberty that couldn't have come any other way. God is just looking for a man. He's looking for somebody who he can say, I'll partner with you, God. I'll partner with you because I trust you more than anything else, right? I worship you. I submit my will to your will. Will you be the water giver? <laughs> right? Because when you give water, the Bible says you, you give water, right? Will you be the one? Will you give freely? The Bible says you'll grow richer. But I'm telling you, we're going to have opportunities. Look, if you gave into the scholarship fund, man, you don't understand how that money 
is impacting those kids. Giving them the ability to do something they couldn't do before. Will you be that man or woman? Why? Because you got to give. And it doesn't always make sense. As we wrap up, it doesn't always make sense to you. It doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always make sense. You can't not give. You can't afford not to give. You have to be given. You have to be engaging in spiritual work. Why? Because the law of reciprocity, God is setting you up. He is asking for a seed from you because he knows the harvest that he has already prepared for you. But if you don't sow the seed, then there can't be a harvest without a seed being sown. So I remember when God wanted us to believe God for this, with the house that we're in, and that was a long time ago. And the Lord told me, the Lord said, that house belongs to you. And we were like, how in the world are we going to afford that house, God? He says, you're going to give. He says, every time you encounter Pastor Elder and Pastor Sean, you give them something. Now, I'm like, well, that don't make sense. But I went back. I didn't know what I was doing, but I had a regimen of perseverance. I said, God, I was excited about your sovereign will for my life. I, I established and settled in the word. I didn't let the satanic wary of the evil report of me not having a down payment cause me not to do it. I confessed the word, this house belongs to me. So every time I saw Pastor Ed when I sold into his life, sometimes I saw him multiple times a day and I sold into his life multiple times. Why? Because that's word that God had given us. And so I just kept sowing. I had zero dollars put away for a down payment on our house. But all I knew was what God had said. And I just kept sowing. I just kept sowing. And, and, and when we went to dip, when we went to make an offer on the house, they wanted at that time, I think the house was 177, which could have been a million dollars to me in April at that time. I think we were we got married at 19 and 20. So I think we were 22 at that time or so. And it could have been a million dollars. And so we was there and they wanted one, 177. And we was just like, no, they wanted 188. That's what they wanted for the house. Uh, was it 188? I think so. And so we went in there and we was like, we can't do that. That's not what the Lord told us to do. And our realtor, she was well-meaning. She said, no, nah. she was like, that's what, that's a really good price. That's below all the comp values there. That's below everything. And, and we was just like, I'm just like, that's not what the Lord told me to do. The Lord told me to tell offer 177. But not only that, he asked me for, tell them to put, I want wheel, I want wooden two inch blinds put in the house. I want you to put gutters all the way around the house. I want you to go back and repaint this. I want you to go do, redo the kitchen cabinets a certain way. And she said, not only are you asking for less money, you're now asking for them to go do all of this stuff. And I want them to pay my closing. She literally looked at us and said, mm-mm. And I said, well, that's what I want. So you can write that up. And so that night she wrote it up. And me and April went home. And we continued to sew. Why? We didn't hear no word right then. But here's the thing. And, and I got I, I, as I talk about it, I got to get back to the point. You got to just settle that what God has said is what it is, right? And so as we waited, she called us back and said, you're not going to believe this. I didn't have to believe it. It was already evidence. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? Faith leaves an egg. I didn't have to believe it. I already knew what she was going to say. She says, they accepted your offer with all the conditions. She said, we'll be closing in and you'll get money back at closing. It didn't in the natural make any sense to give uh, Pastor Evan and Pastor Evan shun that money when we knew we were trying to buy a house. Didn't make sense to my flesh, but it made sense to God because God was trying to get me to put a seed in the ground based on the harvest he wanted me to inherit. And so by obeying God and sowing the seed, I had the ability to receive the harvest God had already prepared for me. You got to understand God's ask for you to participate is in sowing. It's only an opportunity for you to receive the harvest that he already has prepared for you. 
Right, Pastor, Pastor. I gave a glass of water and got a whole lake back. Cause believe me, at that time, at twenty one and twenty two, with our jobs in, there wasn't no big seas, baby. And and, and and they were big to us at that time, but they wasn't a lot of money. But they were obedient to God. Don't value your seed based off earthly dollar amount. Your seed is valuable anytime it's a seed of an obedience. Your seed is valuable anytime it's a seed done in obedience. Your seed is valuable anytime it's done in obedience. Why? Because when, oh man, what was, when he was making the sacrifice, when they were, when they was talking about the gods and Baal and they did their thing, right? And, and they put, uh, they had all the, uh, all the priests and all these people out there trying to cause Baal to consume the thing. And then a man of God came out there, right? And he poured the water. Why? The water was precious. They were in a famine, right? In a drought. He poured the water. He's like, nope, I need another bucket. Nope, I need another bucket. Nope, I need another bucket. Barrels and barrels of water in a time of a famine. He was given what was precious. But then it God was like, look at this seed that this man has sown. And God, the Bible says that God came down. He licked it up. And that's what happens when you start operating in obedience to God. He is looking to lick up the obedience, to lick that up and consume it and leave you with an inheritance of all the things that he has in store for you. But he can't leave you something if you don't sow something. And so that's perfect for giving tonight. Y'all should be ready to give. You should be ready to give. They gave barrels of water and got a flood in return, right? Because he because he, later on it talks about, hey, go, he told them to go out there and see, look at a cloud. He's like, it ain't no cloud about the size of a man's hand, right? And so, and then before you know, the Bible talks about it was an abundance of rain. See, that's why it's been years. I remember the time. I'm not sure why we're here, but we're here. I remember that time we were in church and I was sitting back in church and we were uh, and we were giving something. And I'll be honest, I didn't have a lot of money at that time. And, and, they, and we were talking about sowing a precious gift. And so the thing that was most precious to me at that time was my wedding ring. And, and I went and I told April, I was like, look, I feel like the Lord has asked me to sow my wedding ring. That's what I feel. That's the thing that's most precious to me. And, and, and that's what I'm going to sow. And, and and I didn't ask her to sow it. I just told her, she's like, dude, for real? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. She's like, me too. So we sowed our wedding rings into an offering. We we were in a band room at, at McNair Middle School. I can't remember. It must have been Wednesday night because that's when we met in the band room on Wednesday night. We sowed our rings. And Pastor F and M, they accepted the seed, right? They accepted our rings. And that's just like, just like, but I guess God told them to give it right. God just needed us, kind of like Abraham and Isaac, right? He needed us to sow that. And so we sowed it with no expectation of return. Diamonds on my hand. April had that time had a platinum diamond ring. We sowed it into our offering and left it. And it wasn't, he needed a yes. That's right, nature. He needed a yes. It wasn't, I don't think, a month later. It came back into our life more than <laughs> tenfold. April got this really, really, really nice ring and some other doors opened up for us. So the thing is, will you give the God? Your yes. I love that. Will you give God your yes? So that's that's your offering teaching slash message and everything for tonight. We got to get out of here. Uh, but hey, give God your best. Give God your best. And when you give God your best, God, because of the law of reciprocity, is obligated to give you his best. Don't be afraid. Trust God. Don't be afraid. Just follow him alone for the journey. Don't be afraid. He has already worked it out on your behalf. Don't be afraid because he knows the plans that he has towards you. Plans to prosper you and give you an ex a hope and a future, to give you an expected end. He knows what he's doing. 
Let God be God and you be obedient to the things that he has said. So if you're looking at this, you, you see the opportunities to give on your screen. You can give a give a five, push pay, tithely, text to give, uh, or PayPal. Uh, please use PayPal if you're one of our international partners. If you are a person within the United States, please use, use Giveify, Pushpay, Tavi, Text to Give, uh, one of those, all right? Also, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, I invite you to come home. Uh, I invite you to get connected to the kingdom so that in the kingdom, you understand that all your need is already met. You will be perfect and entire lacking nothing when you allow the Holy Spirit to do what he is designed to do. But if you don't have accept Jesus, as your Lord, and your personal Savior, then you don't have that. So if that's you, just say this prayer. Father, I come to you tonight. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I understand that you forgive all of my sins. And I thank you that you have poured into me the indwelling of your spirit so that I may live the life that you have called me to live. Father, I thank you that I may know myself the way that you have known me. I will see myself the way that you see me. And I will walk in your word all the days of my life. And now if you said that prayer, you're saved, you're set free, you're delivered. Now you need to get connected to a church. There is no better church that I know of for a lot of people across this world and Fellowship of Champions Church International. So run over there to focchurch.com. Become a partner today. You could be, if you just said that prayer, you need a church home, hey, we're a great place to be, right? But if you already have a church, but you love the word that you get here, you don't got to leave your church to be a partner. You could be a member at your church and a partner at FOC. Just go over there and fill out that partnership form, all right? And become a partner today because partnership definitely has its privileges. All right. And so, you know, the rest of the week, we got Friday morning prayer at 6.30 a.m. So join us for that. Uh, Champion Circle at Friday at 6.30 a.m. Join us Sunday. Pastor Chris and Elder Valley will be back for Sunday morning worship. Man, if y'all didn't miss, y'all missed live worship. Y'all missed it. I mean, y'all just missed. Y'all, August 28th, y'all need to be in the house. But Pastor Elder and Pastor Sean will follow Pastor, uh, Pastor Chris at 9.30 a.m. And then Pastor Sean will have uh, strategies for success on Monday at 12 noon on her personal and her professional pages as well as YouTube. And then Tuesday night, we're back for prayer again at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And then Wednesday, make sure that you get your uh, Ignite your teens plugged in. I saw them. They were chatting away in the group, talking about uh, different things in the group. Get your team plugged in. They got a group me and some th ways like that that they uh, uh, talk to the teens throughout the week. And then they also have the Zoom each Wednesday at 7. You can go to focchurch.com for more information there. All right. So that's the teaching for tonight. I love you guys. Go, do, go live for, for the Lord. All right. Go do good for God. Ask God, God, how can I benefit the kingdom this week? What can I do to benefit the kingdom? And as you do that, remember the things that you got to do. All right. Remember that you got to be established in the word. You got to be excited about his sovereign will. You got to eliminate satanic worries. You got to confess the word. You got to engage in strategic spiritual work, enjoy spiritual worship and expect supernatural wonders. Right. So I love you guys. Remember, we're blessed. We're ready and we win. Have an excellent night. Bye bye.